Hello everyone to SolveCast. My name is Morten Zeyer and I'm here today with Daniel Rubin, a Foodtech advisor based out of Stockholm. But I'm not going to talk too much. Daniel, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? Sure. And thanks for having me, Morten. It's great to be here. So I work on the future of food and food tech. I'm an advisor to the food team of the Rockefeller Foundation. I'm a mentor to a couple of food tech accelerators. I'm an operating expert at a couple of food tech VCs. I run a food tech newsletter called Food Tech Weekly. And I'm also an advisor and angel investor in about 10 food tech companies in Europe, the US and Africa. So you're doing everything possible around food tech. It sounds like that's really exciting. Can you give us a high-level overview of the trends for the future of food? Yeah, that's obviously uh, really hard. But I, I think we're seeing a lot of entrepreneurs trying to solve some of the greatest challenges uh, facing the food system today. So when we built the modern food system, it was really all about eradicating hunger and undernourishment and famines. And we were largely successful. So even though the population increased two and a half times between 1960 and today, we increased the food production and yields much faster. But we optimized the food system for cheap calories, meaning that we didn't focus on feeding nourishing people, but actually feeding people calories. And, and that's meant that Today, the number one risk factor for disease, disability, and premature death is diets, poor diets. So one in five deaths, uh, around 10 million people each year. And, and that's cardiovascular disease, high BMI, high blood pressure, certain forms of stroke and cancer, all diet-related. And on top of that, we have all the environmental issues where the food system uses 70% of fresh water, half of vegetated land is responsible for maybe a quarter of greenhouse gas emissions. There's the, our relationship with animals, the way we raise livestock and animals for food, which triggers pandemics. So there's a lot of issues with the food system and a lot of innovators and entrepreneurs are trying to solve these through innovation and leveraging technology to make the food system more nourishing, uh, more envir environmentally sustainable uh, and, and more uh, resilient. Could you name maybe one to three of your favorite startups that you've seen trying to disrupt this whole food tech space or the whole, I guess, also health space in that sense? Oh, that's incredibly hard. If you, because billions of dollars are being invested in this and mm -hmm. there are thousands of ag tech and food tech deals every year, but there are three big things we need to solve for the food system. We need to increase productivity in some emerging markets. We need to reduce post-harvest food loss and food waste. So 30% of the food grown in, in poor countries don't reach the consumers. And, and in rich countries, 30% of food bought is, is discarded, not eaten. And we need to shift diets towards diets that are more nourishing and more environmentally sustainable. So I, I think I'm really excited about what I'm seeing in the alternative protein space. Mm -hmm. An alternative protein can be anything really from plant-based foods, cell-based or lab-grown foods, but also alternative animal feeds, alternatives to, say, soy and, and fish meal. So one example, of course, is Impossible Foods with, with their plant-based burgers. And what's exciting about them is that they're doing a very good job mimicking the, the whole experience of animal-sourced meat. So the price, the taste, the convenience, everything. And, and there are many other plant-based companies in the sort of meat, dairy, and egg space that are growing everywhere. Another example is alternative animal feeds. Instead of using soy and fish meal, startups are working on things like algae, single-cell proteins, algae as a way of feeding animals mm -hmm. uh, and doing so in a more sustainable way. One example is Protix in the Netherlands. They can source things like food waste, old fruits and vegetables, 
that the insects will eat this and then the insects can be fed to egg laying hens for example so you have a more circular mm-hmm. circular food system in, in another example in, in the food waste space which is exciting i think it's appeal sciences from california they developed this invisible coating around fruits and vegetables it's organic it's transparent mm-hmm. it doesn't taste anything but it increases the shelf life of fruits and vegetables two three four x so basically slowing down the process whereby the fruit or vegetable dehydrates and stopping air from coming in and, yeah. and thus uh, reducing the need for plastics to uh, protect the fruits and vegetables and also increasing shelf life so it's good for so many reasons so there are plenty exciting startups all over uh, even though there are some leading ecosystems there are plenty of exciting startups doing great things right now uh, that I, I think really will help move the food system in a better direction absolutely incredible and i think this is probably a whole topic for another talk we should have on specific ideas there anyhow how do you think agriculture will change over the next decades you've already mentioned that agriculture has really picked up with the growth of people but now with the growth of or change in demand change in opportunities how is agriculture going to change in the future yeah so agriculture of course has always changed and even up until maybe 200 years ago most of us still worked in agriculture and today very few people at least in the western world work in agriculture because we're more efficient so we can produce more food using fewer people and i think that trend will continue so we'll see more automation we'll see sensors ai and data machine learning we'll see a lot more systems that will help farmers understand what's going on from satellites to drones to sensors you stick in the ground automation and and, and drones that can help with reducing pesticides and herbicides so they can actually target the weeds and also reduce the need for farm labor. This labor is really hard, especially the high-touch crops like strawberries and and peppers and so on. Mm -hmm. It can be expensive to have farm labor. It can be tough work and also hard to get farm labor. With with COVID, we saw a lot of border closures, meaning countries like the UK, France, uh, Sweden, the US and others had trouble sourcing enough farm labor. So I I think we'll have more automation that will help farmers with the sort of planting and weeding and harvesting. And farmers will have more intelligence that will help them make better uh, decisions. And all of this, of course, to reduce the environmental impact of agricultural production and hopefully also enable us to grow more uh, nutritious foods. No, very interesting. I want to come back to... You talked about protein alternatives. I'm just very curious, how do you get customers to accept fully these new, new food items, quote-unquote, repackaged, repackaged meat, for example, which isn't meat anymore? How do you get a mindset shift with, within consumers? Diets are, are sticky and food is so integral to who we are. We are what we eat and food is, is joy, it's community, it's culture. It tells us where we're coming from, where we are, where we want to go. So food is pretty holy. And food can bring us together, but also can be very polarizing. So I think you need to, you need to go carefully and, and educate people and inform people what you want to do and why. It also depends what you want for the food system, whether you care about livelihoods or environment uh, or nutrition or resilience, equity. Then you might employ different things and, and go for different uh, types of foods. Beyond the sort of technical obstacles and regulatory obstacles, you also have consumer acceptance obstacles. Will consumers accept these new types of foods, whether it's insects in animal feed or eating insects as flour in bread, for example, eating plant-based or cell-based, so lab-grown meat, dairy and egg products? 
we don't really know. Diets are sticky, but diets also change. I'd say 50 years ago, most people didn't eat sushi and pad thai. And today, a lot of people in Western countries do. So diets change. What we eat change over time. I think we'll have just a plethora of different alternatives. And another thing is, I think we're going to be able to personalize nutrition at a whole different level compared to today. So today we know on a population level that we should eat more fruits and vegetables and whole grains and seeds and nuts and, and omega-3 or fish. And we should eat less or no trans fats, saturated fats, sugar, sodium, processed meats. We know that on a population level. We don't really know what's best for you and I in the phases we're in, in our lives but we're going to be able to personalize nutrition in the future, whether it's by swallowing a sensor or having a breathalyzer. We'll have a greater understanding of the gut microbiome, how the food we eat interact with our bodies and what we really need. So I think that will also help push some consumers in certain direction. When you can actually measure your body and see, this is bad for me or this is good for me, this is making me healthier or this is making me sick, when you have that more granular understanding, then I think there's also different acceptance to, to eating more of certain foods or less of other foods this sort of greater understanding of how food impacts us uh, and our bodies. Well, Daniel, this has been extremely interesting. And I'm sure I'm speaking for all the listeners uh, saying that this is a subject ever evolving and super interesting for everyone. We all eat. Most of us really enjoy eating and uh, learning about the future is super interesting. I highly recommend um, subscribing to your newsletter. I've been doing it for a long time now and I thoroughly enjoy reading it every Friday Super interesting, and thank you very much again, and I hope to have you on the show uh, soon again. Thank you so much, Morten.